Hey, Guy, next time we record, I may have problems with the background of my audio because I'm headed out to pick up a puppy next week. A puppy! Congrats! Will that make me a king on social media if I post pictures of my puppy? Yeah, it seems to be the popular thing to do. I think it's cats, though, isn't it? It's supposed to be it cats. is cats. I don't know why Kittens. cats over dogs, but... Oh, dogs over cats all day. I, I'm with you, but I think on the effectiveness, I'm sure there's some index on the effectiveness of social media posts that include puppies versus kittens, and kittens come come ahead hands down, right? Well, we look forward to seeing your puppies on the internet. Your kids are going to be very surprised. Yeah, I like to mess with my children. You saw my April Fool's prank that went over poorly with my daughter. Yeah, I like surprising my kids. Keeps them, you know, makes them think I'm still young. So what do we got today, Conrad? Well, moving on from puppies, we're going to be talking about review spam, search ad revenue reports coming in for 2021, and finally, the macroeconomist in me wants to talk about inflation. We're going to go through by the numbers. We've got some new segment for by the numbers coming back to that, where we're, we're actually pulling some data from a call rail report. And then finally, and this I am really looking forward to, and this is kind of the meat of the conversation, stay through the end of the episode as Guy and I talk about dark social in the legal marketing world. Speaking of the world, money makes the world go round. Hit it. Money makes the world go round. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Let's do some news. Gee, our friends at Sterling Sky got some interesting news about review spam. What's the story? Breaking news, lawyers among the key spammers of reviews online. Wow, breaking news, huh? It's almost like we knew this all along and someone has just, you know, quantified it, right? Yes, go check out uh, Sterling's guy. Our good friend Joy Hawkins did a very uh, comprehensive study on spam and and spam percent removed. You know, classic problem. Shocking that lawyers are paying people to leave spam and fake reviews online, and yet here we are. And just a reminder, go back a couple episodes with us. You'll remember we talked about changes in regulation that makes the law firm responsible for the actions of their agency, should their agency be engaged in fake reviews. Yeah, and just to be clear, that's a new FTC rule. Lawyers have always been responsible under most state rules of professional conduct, but now you can also get in hot water with the FTC. So lose your license, fined by the FTC, you're breaking the law, stop doing this, people. Stop it. And Google, figure out a way to get rid of this. It should be a lot easier. All right, speaking about Google, Search ad revenue for the United States, the numbers are in for 2021, $78 billion market for search ad revenue in the United States. That was a 33% increase between 2020 and 2021. Now, that may have had some kind of rebound impact from a pullback in the overall marketing approach from, from COVID, um, but that is, a, that is a sizable number, right? This global fad known as the internet marches on. And as we talk about spending more money on the same thing, inflation, Guy, inflation is in the news and it impacts this industry. Yeah, we've had a couple conversations about 
inflation and recession advertising. You know, I think uh, this is in the news because as we're recording, they just dropped the uh, most recent CPI data and actually inflation outpacing what a lot of experts thought. Are you pulling back on your ads? Should you pull back on your ads? And Conrad, you brought up a really interesting point. Are we adjusting prices to match inflation in the legal profession? Yeah. I mean, think about it differently. You guys might be discounting your services by not meeting up with the changes in prices. So, you know, to be honest, the middle of the year is a terrible time to think about changing your pricing. But think about, have you adjusted your pricing over the last 12 or 24 months? And if the answer is no, you are giving a discount because inflation is a very real thing. I might sense an ominous foreshadowing of a future episode on pricing in recessionary times. I thought you were going to announce right now that uh, all attorney sync clients are now going to be charged 10% more for their monthly retainer. Ha! (laughs) Next episode, next episode. All right, speaking of money, let's pay some bills. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. And we're back with one of our very favorite segments, By the Numbers. So speaking of numbers, uh, CallRail has released their 2022 Marketing Outlook for Law Firms. And we'll put the link in the show notes. We highly recommend you download this little PDF. Really good stuff. Lots of numbers in here. Conrad, what are some numbers that jumped out to you? You know, so I'd recommend reading this report. I'd also recommend the Clio uh, Trends Report, which we are going to talk about in a moment. These will give you two different perspectives and two different snapshots of the legal industry. What blew me away out of this report is there was a question around lead generation, which channels and marketing strategies are currently bringing in the most leads. Number one, up at the tippity top, 84% organic social media. Right. And that was actually double the percentage of, of what you and I spent a lot of time thinking about as search engines. Lawyers are posting a lot of puppy pictures on Facebook to get clients. That is that is the way to make it happen. Interestingly, down at the bottom, Guy, uh, blogs, internet articles and blogs. This, you know, we kind of talk about content marketing. 10%, like that was at the at kind of the bottom of that 
group. But it, it was interesting to me that organic social media really was claiming the top spot on this. I, I found that fascinating. And it, it dovetails beautifully into our conversation around dark social. Yeah, I my, it doesn't totally shock me that organic social media is generating business. I think there's a lot of referral action, people asking for referrals. There's a lot, a lot of the private groups that I'm in on social media. There's a lot of lawyer-to-lawyer -lawyer referrals. But I think to your point, which we'll dive deeper into, is that these lawyers are doing attribution right. um, to be able to identify this. And because, you know, uh, without stealing the thunder of our future conversation, unless people are literally messaging you, how are they doing attribution back to social media? Anyway, something for us to talk about. Are you suspecting that this self-reported perspective on leads is not based on numbers, but based on gut? I'm thinking that might there might be some some guesswork in there, but we'll get into it. All right. The other thing, and this was echoed in the Clio Trends Report, but it's kind of funny. 78% of law firms are using pay-per-click advertising. 82% of you think it's not worth it. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you guys? Right? Like, talk about smashing your head against the wall. So yes, widely used, right? You got to play the game. But if it's not worth it, what are you doing? What, what, why? This is, this is astonishing to me. Maybe their attribution system's broken and, and all of their pay-per-clicks going, getting attributed to organic social. I, I, I mean, <laughs> so let me, let me jump on that point. If you don't know how your pay-per-click attribution is working in terms of driving clients, at least consultations, but clients consultations. If you're just looking at leads and number of phone calls, my gut is it's probably working, but you all remember the annoying spam calls that you get from pay-per-click advertising. You assume that that means the whole thing is a bunch of crap, and yet you keep paying money because it's showing up at the very top of the SERPs. But if it's not working, stop doing it. Like, Let's start with that basic 101. I don't have to go to business school to learn that model, right? Here's a number for you. 46% of a firm's marketing budget is allocated to remarketing on average. Half, half the budget is going to remarketing. Does that line up with you or your experience? I'm, I'm surprised by that one. That seems very high. And I mean, I think, I suspect, I don't know this, the verbiage in what Colrell considers remarketing is probably anything that doesn't, that means someone isn't signing up today. Even then, let me break into these points. So, if you're spending so much of your money chasing people who you didn't convert right off the bat, you might want to figure out why they're not converting early. People should be getting pretty far down the path. And I talk about velocity. How quickly does it take for a prospect to be followed up with, right? And, and how well are they followed up with? If you then have to spend half of your marketing budget because you're not doing a good job on that part, like fix that part. That's a super easy way. I mean, this is overly simplistic, but if you fix that part, now you've just doubled your marketing, your advertising budget. You don't have to chase those people who, who you've missed. You can find more people who don't know about you yet. Here's another interesting one. 34% of respondents are answering the phone via automated answering service. Well, and the other part of that, and this was surprising right underneath that, it was 20% go straight to voicemail, right? <laughs> and this is call real data. Uh, what are you guys doing? Like, why? Like all of this stuff you're spending, all of this money, you, you want to know why so many people are spending 46% of their budget on remarketing? Because 20% of the calls go to voicemail, right? 
There, fix that. Well, done. As I've been told by so many experienced lawyers, if they want to get a hold of me, they'll find a way. And those same lawyers will tell you when I talk to them, they always turn into clients. Always. Because I am so enigmatic and smart. And if you survey those same clients, they'll say, no, I just clicked back and went to another lawyer. And then if you survey those same lawyers, they'll tell you, ah, oh, paperclick's too expensive. It doesn't work, and but it's I not keep working. spending money it's on it. It's not working. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. We're, we're insulting our audience again, but yeah, like, audience. think about this, we do guys. Love you. Like, and sorry, I say guys, think about this, everybody. If something's not worth it, stop doing it. If you're not sure it's not worth it, figure out whether or not it's worth it, right? Like th- these are really basic concepts. Check out CallRail's 2022 marketing outlook for law firms. Really, really a lot more value. We just touched the surface. There's a lot more valuable stuff in there. Fix those experiences, folks. Makes all the difference in the world. And I'll give you the the last data point on this. So this is a call rail data point. I did a talk for ABA Tech Show and talked to a room full of lawyers and asked how many people were using call rail. Not many. If you guys don't know what call rail is at this point in time, you're behind the game. So check out the report. Check out call rail. They're they're not paying. They're not a paid sponsor, but... um, I would say Guy and I are solidly in the raving fan category for CallRail. All right. As we periodically do, we would like to thank and recognize a recent review of the podcast. This podcast has helped me ease into a new challenge. I have been working as a technology marketing exec for the past 13 years, and I decided to shake things up by accepting a position as a legal marketing and communication director for an established firm in a highly competitive market. LHLM has been a very critical part of my transition, one that was more challenging than I anticipated. I've listened to every episode, some more than once, and have employed several strategies into my evolving marketing plan. I regularly share episodes with the partners and even some of my agency partners. I rely on each podcast to round out my learning and bring new ideas to the table. Highly recommended for any partner, legal marketing or ad agency or new attorney looking to better understand how to grow his or her practice. So Tuli Bird, thank you so much for this wonderful review. Congratulations on the new gig. And thanks so much for sharing it with your partners and your agency partners. I've often wondered, Guy, what it's like to come in from outside legal with, with like a depth of experience um, in marketing, especially technical marketing, and then and then move into this what can be highly political um, and highly competitive world. I think it would be a fascinating experience. Absolutely, listeners. If you have any questions or ideas for the show please do reach out to us at hashtag LHLM or you can slip into our DMs. And now for a quick break. And now it's time for the Legal Trends Report Minute brought to you by Clio. Did you know Law firms with growing revenue are twice as likely to use financial reporting tools to track their performance. Understanding your firm's financial performance helps you make better choices. But unfortunately, 60% of legal professionals are not confident about their knowledge of their firm's revenue. If you can relate Consider adopting reporting tools to track utilization, realization, and collection rates, the three leading metrics to track your firm's revenue. Don't worry, 
If math isn't your thing, just knowing your firm's numbers is half the battle. Yeah, so I mean, this is thematic across a lot of what Guy and I talk about. There's, You can get so deep in financial metrics, marketing metrics, et cetera, but having a consistent dashboard of important numbers that you understand and that you don't spend your life kind of wrapping around the axle every time there's a small change, that's kind of foundations of management. And and I mean, we see this in the legal marketing field. You know, people want to talk about their bounce rate or their, you know, the number of words on their page, but really the things that matter are consultations and clients. And it's the same with finance, right? Utilization, realization, and collection rates. Those are the numbers that you need to be looking at. Use some tools that bring those to the forefront. And you can use those as the kind of um, temperature gauge of how everything else is working. Good stuff. For more information on what firms with growing revenue are doing differently, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O.com forward slash trends. Did it. Now, Gee. Yes, Conrad. Last time we spoke, we talked about dark social. It sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it? It does. You know what it makes me think of? Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. <laughs> Which is a terrible movie to watch with your kids. It should not be PG-13. I made that mistake. So I want to enter, like, we've talked about dark social a lot, you and I. We talked about it on the last podcast episode, but I don't think lawyers is really being introduced to the legal community at all. And so I want to talk further about this. We've also talked about attribution. And most interestingly, in our uh, review that we read from Tuli Bird, he talked about sharing the podcast with his partners, right? And that is Dark Social. Can you, Gee, give a quick overview of what we mean when we talk about Dark Social? Well... It's really anything that's not, you can't do great attribution for is really the best way to think about it. Whether it's a word of mouth referral, could be like an email someone mentions, someone just, or it could be something that actually happens on a social media platform. That's I think people get confused because, you know, you say social and everyone thinks like social media and, but social media is a part of the dark social equation because your attribution system essentially breaks right. when someone reads something, makes a recommendation on social media, who gets credit. You have a great post on this on the Mockingbird blog. Yeah, so we'll put that in the, in the, in the show notes, kind of going deep into what dark social is and legal marketing. But like a very simple example would be, he writes a post about pay-per-click ads going up. I share that with my people. Some of my lawyers share it with a friend of theirs. And it goes on and on and on. And eventually someone comes back to Gein and wants to talk to him about pay-per-click marketing. Now, the attribution on that is really, really difficult. How do you track attribution in a closed channel like Slack, for example, right? How do you track attribution when there are so many ways for people to take content? We spend a lot of time talking about you know, content marketing, but a lot of that is sharing, right? And the attribution starts to become very, very difficult to track. In fact, it becomes impossible to track. Dark social is, the concept is really pushed heavily by a guy named Chris Walker in the SaaS world. And so in the legal world, I think it's a little bit different, but not necessarily. It's all of the things that you can do in 
social and using social to reflect what you're doing in your community to drive not just brand awareness, but in many cases, demand for what you do. And that's a fundamental difference of dark social. It's, it's the generation of demand for what you do, as opposed to like the very linear concept of, I need to hire a, a car accident injury lawyer because I was just in a car accident and I got an injury, right? And I go to you know Google and I fire up an ad and I click on the ad and I call the lawyers and, and if they get back to me in less than five hours, I might hire them, right? Yeah, no, and in fact, speaking of uh, motor vehicle accident lawyers, you mentioned uh, my friend Ken Levinson in your post. Yes. Who, you know, they like hitting the Chicago area for lunch and they film the lunch, do a review of the restaurant. Uh, they post that in, you know, a variety of places online, including like Chicagoland food lover groups and people give them feedback and say, hey, when's your next video coming out? And they send them an email and then, you know, they're staying top of mind. Uh, he also does uh, an email where he sends out like books that he's reading and things he's learned from recent books. And so all that stuff, though, that you think about, historically, people might call that top of mind awareness. It plays into this concept of dark social because, you know, the only way that you'd be able to actually do any attribution is if the person who ends up making the referral says, hey, I've been watching your lunch videos for years and I've got someone to refer to you, or I was just in a car accident or a family member was in a car accident. So that's kind of the, um, that's another great example of dark social and the attribution issue. So I'm going to use Ken Levinson as an example and, and just kind of lay out the key foundational principles for me in dark social for legal, because it's fairly, it's, it's conceptually simple. It takes a lot of time, right? It's not something that just kind of rolls off easily. But the first thing that you mentioned is he talks about lunch. He's not talking about seven things to do when you've been hit by a tractor trailer, right? They're talking about food in Chicago, right? This has nothing to do with the practice of law. The second thing you mentioned is they will take that content and post it in a variety of places. That means they're taking a single piece of content, chopping it up, reusing it, reformatting it, making sure that it can go on LinkedIn, making sure that it can go on Facebook, making sure that you can push it out in different places, right? Great way to take one piece of content and and leverage that in many, many different ways. The next thing that you mentioned is that referral, right? You generate a referral network. So if you are interested in the food scene in Chicago, or if you are a restaurateur in Chicago, you probably know who Ken is. Right? He is building up a referral network through dark social by talking about something that has nothing to do with the legal industry. And the beauty of this is you can leverage social, social media, paid social, to then say, all right, I'm going to push information about food in Chicago to people in Chicago who like food, right? And I can use social to identify those people. It's fairly easy. They're groups. You can advertise. It is the marketing of the content, not just content marketing. And so there's kind of this leverage perspective. And then finally, and this is the key thing here, Guy, that you mentioned is the attribution on this, impossible, right? So you get referred because you've been doing all these videos about food in Chicago, you know, and Mary Jo uh, gets referred to you, but it's because you've done all this stuff about food and there's nothing direct or linear that that the modeling that we typically do, right, in the pay-per-click or SEO or local world can actually pick up. Right. And a couple other things just to pick up on some of the points that if you're out there and you want to try to implement some of these kind of strategy tactics uh, at your own practice, make it 
locally specific, right? So like, you know, the fact that they're in Chicago and everything they do is like starts out Chicago. They invite people to come join them for lunch that aren't in Chicago from out of town. So, you know, they're tapping into a more of a national audience, but they're reiterating that the psychological reminder of, Hey, these are the Chicago guys. There's Chicago. Who are those Chicago food guys who are also trial attorneys, right? So you're constantly thinking about that. Um, and then, you know, again, to the point about the attribution, and this is, you know, the previous episode that we did where we talked about Rand's post, and this is the thing, you know, you're marketing people. And again, we, we advocate this. We want to hold marketing dollars accountable. We want to hold marketers accountable. And so we talk about things like attribution, last click attribution. And this is one of those things where it's like, don't cut off your nose to spite your face because the value that you're building in that name recognition, in that awareness, in that network that you're building, you know, frankly, especially as consumer journeys continue to evolve into, and, and if the people that you're trying to attract don't take that linear path, this is where there's tremendous value for you. But it's kind of a mention. It takes time, doesn't happen overnight, but start planting those, especially if you're a, a new lawyer, you're just starting to build your name, start planting those seeds now because they will bear fruit over time. I mean, you mentioned it takes time. It takes a lot of time, right? It takes a lot of time to develop this content, push it out, et cetera. But like, I hate to bring this back to the good old SEO adage, right? Like it's going to take six to 12 months, but it's going to take 12 to plus months to actually make this happen. And so I don't think this is something that you can kind of dip your toe in and see how it went for, you know, quarter three, because uh, it's not going to go anywhere. That's right. And the other thing that I would tell you is, is that there's a certain amount of this is like how interesting and memorable is whatever you're doing, right? So like, we know a lot of law firm personalities that you're like, whoa, like that's really like jumps out at you. There's a couple of lawyers on TikTok that, you know, there's happen to be very talented with producing TikTok caliber videos that are very memorable and that people stick in people's head. And so, you know, maybe that helps you shorten the timeline because you're more memorable. But the thing I always tell people too is it's not just about being remembered. You got to be remembered and they got to connect it back that you're still worth referring the matter to, right? So like for direct to consumer, maybe all it takes is they got to remember, you know, the vanity telephone number, people will tell you that all day is all you need to do is get them to memorize your number. doesn't even matter how good of a lawyer you are, or yada, 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 just get them to call the number. But if you're trying to do like lawyer to lawyer referrals or you're trying to do professional referrals, you know, people want to know that they're referring to somebody that is good. And so connecting, not only is it, you got to be remembered, but you've also got to be known as like the person who does that kind of work and the expert in that kind of work. And so again, back to Conrad's point, that takes a lot longer to establish that professional reputation than just getting to memorize your name and that you do that fancy dance on TikTok. I, I thought you were going to be a little more pointed in that, but huh. you were nice about it. So let me let me give you the other caution on this. This needs to be led by the leadership of the firm. This is not something that you can have, you know, Joey, the, the marketing flunky do for you, right? Because it is about you. It is about Ken Levinson, for example, right? Hand in hand with that is like, and, and I don't mean this to be in a negative light at all. I can't make it sound positive though. You just might not be that right enigmatic figure that is going to kill it on social. And so like, it's kind of harsh to say, but like, this is not going to work if you don't love technology, if you don't like getting out there, if you don't like being a front face of, of, of a firm. It is honestly not going to work. Right. 
you just made me think of two other things there. Go. The first one is whatever you're going to do, pick something that you actually are truly care about, right? Like, yes. You know, don't try to, don't just like start brainstorming and be like, well, I could be the uh, picnic lawyer. Do you love, you do love picnicking? Do you want to yeah. go out and picnic every day and get it? Because guess what? People can read it in your face, whether you really care about it or not. So find something you actually are passionate about that you actually yeah. truly care about. And then the other thing that you made me think of that I'm totally blanking on, of course, because I'm on the spot trying to remember it. Um, you're right. Here, think about that. I'm going to give you an example of doing okay. something you're passionate about. And that'll buy you 60 seconds to remember what All you're right. talking about. Now I'm diving in. So for an example of that, Ben Glass, who many of you know from Great Legal Marketing, he is passionate about refereeing soccer. You think that's a tiny freaking niche, but like he talks about this all the time. And he talks about the abuse that soccer refs take all the time. And he posts regularly on this. This seems to me to be such a really, really small. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna try and get yourself in front of soccer referees. Like, what are you doing there? But I know this because I'm a parent. All three of my kids have uh played soccer. Like most parents at some point in time are going to go and watch their kids play terrible soccer, right? And most parents are going to watch referees get abused, right? So it's a great, like, it's something he's super passionate about, but that resonates interestingly with a really, really large audience. And so like you can lean into what you are really interested in. I think the downside again is if you're not really deeply interested in things that other people are interested in and you don't have an interest in sharing that interest, don't try this. Don't try this at home. Go back to pay-per-click and be unhappy with the results because you can't measure them. Right. And, oh, and that's you actually made me think of what I was trying to remember, which is if it's not your thing, if it's not your jam to be on video, you don't want to use social media, you you know what? You're just like, I just like, I like practicing law. I do my thing. Then somebody at your firm, if you're going to do this, somebody you need to delegate that to somebody else. And again, to Conrad's point, they're not going to ever be the expert, right? So maybe you hire another associate. Maybe there's somebody at your firm that can, you know, be the memorable part of your firm that can represent your brand. But my point is, is like, don't try to force a round peg in a square hole because it just gets very cringeworthy, right? Trying to watch lawyers, you know, do stuff uh, on TikTok. I mean, it's out. You can go see it because I know that a lot of their, they've hired these social media consultants to go do the TikTok dance. And you're just like, oh, did that help you attract an audience that's going to refer? Or are you popular because it's painful to watch you dance on TikTok? Is your point here, if you feel like you have to hire someone to teach you how to do a TikTok dance, you shouldn't do a TikTok dance. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe there are great TikTok dance consultants that can really get you up to speed. But bottom line is you got to like to do it. If you don't like to do it, you, people are going to tell, you're going to be able to see it in your eyes and it's painful to watch. With that, we're going to wrap up. Go search TikTok for some cringeworthy legal dances and uh, we will see you next time in two weeks. I will have a puppy, hopefully not whimpering in the background. Till then, he and Conrad out. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, 
and Instagram. Download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-O. I screwed up the spelling of Clio. <laughs> this is why, do you remember last time I said, uh, yep. I'm <laughs> not going to spell, spell this it. out. I refuse. This is and why you we were spell like, it. Yeah, all, right, all right, take two. <laughs> if you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, Join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.